Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your also and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, known as everybody, Noel Kirkpatrick. Um, Noel, how, how's it going this week? We're, we're missing Biden's big speech right now to record, and I am not, not at ease because of that. It's a lovely feeling. Yeah, there is some degree of relief, and my partner and I actually, I put it on, and then we put on Sam B. We watched like a minute and a half of Biden, um, and then I went, yeah, I can just watch this later, mm-hmm. and I watched Sam B. <laughs> uh, this week's same beat, which was good. Um, but yeah, no, there's just this weird sense of, I, I, I don't have to care about this because I can read it and there's no discourse around it. That's nice. This is nice. Okay. I'm going to be um, able to be informed and be informed shortly and not worry that we're, you know, somehow, I don't know, nuking North Korea or something. Like, it's great. Or that, like, we're going to meter vaccine access in some weird way. Yeah. Um, like, some way that doesn't make sense as opposed to the, the gradual rollout that we've had mm-hmm. um, across m- multiple states um, and various other things around that. So, yeah, no. So he should be done, actually, uh, as we record this, but I didn't watch it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a nice feeling. Um, this week at the end of the show, we are continuing our journey into classic for us TV uh, with designing women. This is a late eighties, early nineties show uh, sitcom, and it is very much a cult show uh, among a certain de- demographic. Yes, uh, but one that I had not seen any of, so I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, I actually hadn't seen any of it either. Um, just knew knew about it through cultural, cultural osmosis. You'll be shocked, shocked, <laughs> Kate, that where I grew up, the show was quite popular. What? <laughs> yeah, Never. I know. With that theme song? <laughs> yeah, no. Crazy, right? <laughs> With that building that's not in Atlanta anywhere close because it's actually in Arkansas? <laughs> <laughs> Details. Details. Um, so that's coming at the end of the show. We, there's a little bit of TV news here at the top. Uh, there's more of it, but two of the stories that I noted that stuck out this week were, unfortunately, the cancellation uh, or non-renewal of two shows that... Uh, well, the the... One of these is a weird situation yeah. uh, because it was renewed and then unrenewed. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so first Pose is going to be finished after season three, uh, yep. which is unfortunate. Um, I don't know exactly the circumstances on that. I, I saw that one of the creators put out a statement that they had like told the story they wanted to tell. So they were ending the show. And I was like, I mean, I don't not believe you, but also I gotta think that you, there are some stories you can't tell right now because of COVID filming. Right. That you would rather be able to wrap up in some way. So like, I, like I have a skeptical eyebrow raised at that. At least we're getting a third season, but that is very, you know, sad for me because I'm such a fan of that show. And the other one is Kim's Convenience, uh, which is going to be done after its current season, which is season five. And that's the one that's a little unusual because the show apparently was renewed, is what you're saying. But the showrunners, like the creators, both of them had moved on to other projects. So they decided to instead end the show. Yes. Like, 
instead of bringing in completely new show, uh, like writers, creatives, um, to do it because of course Kim's convenience as fans of the show know was based on a, like these writers play and like, it's, it's, it's very much their baby. So, uh, how do you feel about that? About either of these? Yeah. So I haven't watched Pose yet. Um, I think after it wraps up, I will probably watch it. Um, mm-hmm. which I know is part of the problem. I'm not surprised just because of the, like the Ryan Murphy of it all, but also that has, like you alluded to, um, that has to be a really difficult show to do in any capacity under COVID restrictions. So FX's leash for things is probably still pretty long under the Disney reign, but at the same time, yeah, I don't know. So it's not surprising. Um, the Kim's convenience thing blindsided, I think everyone, including the cast. Um, even though I, guess this means that appa can be on more star wars yeah so i i guess put him on rangers of the lost republic or whatever it is yeah yeah but yeah i have a lot of eyebrows about this and the way it was framed of yes kim's convenience is very much grounded in that play which has a significant amount of autobiographical elements and those autobiographical elements were very front and center in the first season I do not know how much of the show in its current form really carries over any of those elements. So the show's producers being, well, since the creators have left and we really value authenticity, we're going to end the show. And it's like, does this mean you just didn't want to hire any more Korean writers? Mm -hmm. I'm really confused about this like approach here of due to authenticity, we've decided to end the show. What does that mean? Because it just sounds like you don't want to make an effort to hire anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, <clears throat> yep, skeptical eyebrow indeed. It's yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm disappointed because I love this show. You love this show, um, but I'm glad we're at least going to get one more season at some point. Since yeah. my new my current cable package doesn't have CBC, and I have not been watching it. <laughs> <laughs> it will show up on Netflix. When the season pretty current, soon when the yeah. season finishes, yeah. So yeah. we will get to see it, but yeah, it's going to be bittersweet, especially because Sina Luz is about to to like bust out, break with, out huge, like five rings, yeah. so or yeah. ten rings, whatever it is, ten rings, yeah, ten rings. Thank you. One um, for each, one for each finger. Ah, yes, two hands. Gotcha. Not the Thanos gauntlet. Two hands. No. Um. Okay. Well, kind of similar in a lot of ways, depending on how they play this, but mm-hmm. totally different. <laughs> totally different. Listeners, let us know how you feel about these shows. And, uh, you know, if there is other TV news this week, if there are other similar stories that we've just been not quite catching. Um, the, this, the, the show is ending at the end of this season thing has been a much more common phenomenon. Um, like that, we found that out with Winona Earp, you know, a while ago for this current season is going to be the final one. And I, I do think it's a much better PR way to handle canceling a fan favorite show that maybe doesn't have the numbers uh, or the finance, financial like logic that you want. Um, yeah. Or has the weird rights issues like Winona or has like, I really yeah. don't feel like that's a sci-fi issue. It's yeah. very much a number of other issues that sci-fi has nothing to do with. Yeah, yeah. But then it lets people like enjoy and celebrate the final season as opposed mm-hmm. to feel like they've had the, the rug yeah. yanked out from under them. So uh, it's, it's at least a better way to do something that maybe we were not all that excited about, but... Um, however, we've got a lot of TV to talk about this week. We should get to our week in TV. Uh, so we're going to take a break, listen to a little music and come back with the, the worst called it ever. Noel, I don't blame you. I blame, I blame my lack of imagination, but, uh, 
we'll we'll be right back in a minute to talk about that. But uh, yeah, let's take a break, listen to a little music, and come back with our week in TV. This week in comedy and reality, we're talking first about The Amber Ruffin Show, March 5th, 2021, then Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, Unemployment Systems in the United States. That's their, it was the main segment. Then we have a a few thoughts on The Unicorn, So Far Away, and then I'll catch us up with Drag Race. First, we had Drag Race UK, Stone on the Runway, and Snatch Game for regular Drag Race. So uh, Amber Ruffin Show, you called it. Worst called it ever. Uh, Tarek Davis was not on the show for a couple episodes because he had COVID and had to go to the hospital. Um, so, yeah, you called it. And they handled that really, really well, I thought. It's so good. Like, yeah. it's it's very it's very sad, but it's also very, very funny, which is exactly what you'd expect from this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I felt real bad that I was right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, it's like, you don't know, just assume that, like, you know, it's like, no, he he was, that's the only reason he was not going to be at his job like that. Um, so, fortunately, he is well enough to be back to work. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, being deli- his delightful self, and, you know, it's mm-hmm. nice to have him back. But that's about as a good a way as you're going to handle that news. And I appreciate very much his willingness and the show's willingness to mm-hmm. tell us and include us and use that yes. information in the way that they did. Yeah, no. And it's really, really good. And I think that it, it helps. Like, I don't even imagine how many people watch the show. I can't imagine it's super high, even though plenty of people actually have Peacock for free because so many people mm-hmm. have Xfinity, but it's a good way to sort of raise awareness about it and be really serious about like, yes, no, even if you take precautions, if someone else or you slip up in some weird way, mm-hmm. you up the risk. Well, and um, precautions aren't, it won't happen. Precautions are, it's unlikely, but you know, somebody loses that wheel of fortune spin, you know? Right. Exactly. Um, so it, it was, it was, it was what you call it. It was good. Um, also good that I do want to shout out for this episode is their off-screen mythic character of, what was his name? Broadway Jack. Broad, Broad, Broadway Jack. Oh, God. It's just the best bit. <laughs> it was I a laughed. very Noel bit. I was like, Noel's it, it was a, Yes, it was a very, because it was just a series of bits that just kept escalating. <laughs> and like friend of the show, Allison Shoemaker, I love a bit that just keeps escalating. <laughs> um, so that that had me cracking up and I really, really enjoyed it. And it was a good sort of follow up to the COVID stuff, which was also, again, like, was also a very noble bit because I love silent film. Mm-hmm. So doing a bunch of intertitle cards is just like, yes, no, that is that is very good. I appreciate all of this. Like, like in an old time movie, I'm going to love this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, over on last week tonight uh, with John Oliver, we had, uh, I think their best segment 
this season so far yes. on unemployment systems in the United States. I thought that was a, uh, I appreciated the, the mention of the, the Oprah Meghan Markle interview. I am hoping for a little mini segment on it now that he will have had the chance to see it <laughs> between. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I like that they mentioned it and were like, we haven't not yet. Um, and I like that this was their, topic it was the kind of thing that they used to do all the time and hopefully they'll be able to do more of and while not ignoring or um distracting from the conversations around covid but instead using that to enhance the conversation um so i thought it was solid i wasn't i mean i'm not laughing as much as i want to be laughing but some that's just you know life and the world What, what did you think well i mean as someone who's gone through an unemployment process twice now um it is just a weird maze of nonsense um and it is a system that and you've read about this in my newsletter because i've written about it that is a system that if you're able to you have to game um a little bit so like when they talk when they highlighted like the ways in which you have to do x number of job search related activities whether it's go to a workshop or actually apply for jobs like washington state requires three jobs um, or job-related activities, but th- I had questions when I first went on unemployment if I had to get unemployment from Georgia instead because it's where my employer paid payroll taxes, mm-hmm. um, even though they also paid them technically to Washington State as soon as I moved up here. I just didn't get any of the Georgia stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was just all this weird navigating that you had to do to figure it out. And Georgia's much more aggressive in terms of like, required five as one of their examples that they highlight in the episode required five job related activities. Um, And for me, that those kinds of restrictions involved gaming the system by not applying for jobs until next week, or if it was a brand new job waiting until next week to apply for it, hoping that it would still be listed. So I could apply for it next week. If I had already done like two or three jobs, Um, it's just to kind of keep it rolling because it was the only way to do it because otherwise you're just, applying for anything just to meet that demand so you can get $300 that week. Um, So it was really, and I'm in a good, I'm in a decent state for that in terms of Washington, because it's much easier than some other states. But also I had fewer problems the second time around this past summer when everyone was unemployed for the most part. And I had less, I had fewer issues than a number of other people did because I knew what I was doing this time around. But even that first time through when I filed for unemployment, it was, I didn't get confirmation that I was going to get unemployment until I was almost out of cell signal range because my partner and I were going to, um, up in the, up in the mat in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, and they called me to confirm information that I had input incorrectly um, so there, it was just a really weird episode to watch because you can't do, like, as he points out, you can't do a whole system-wide thing about this because there's 53 different versions of it. And all of them are bad um, in some way uh, down to the fact that there's this massive audit happening here in Washington State of people being paid too much. Um, so it's just a really wild system that is great that we have it. But it's just been poorly managed or has been completely destroyed, depending on how your respective state does business taxes, like mm-hmm. Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's just, yeah, it's the kind of thing where if you are not, if you don't have any experience or know anyone who has experience dealing with managing these systems, like navigating them, like you were saying, 
oh, you just need to like try try out for three jobs. You like you like that's not a lot. It's like okay, but every week, yeah, for however many months it takes or longer for some people yes. to find another job that you can actually do. That doesn't seem like a lot until you're like in month three, and there's only so many positions that you are qualified for or that actually make sense for you, you know? Right. Like, so, you know, and, and then that goes with, you know, like, like for me, like if the, this isn't to my knowledge, a thing in the music world, but if it was, it's like saying, well, I need to audition for three different orchestras every week. Yeah. And that's and, ridiculous. And that's not a thing. <laughs> also, yeah, you can't do that. That's not, you can't possibly prep in time. And also, uh, they all do auditions at the same time. And also, uh, I'm not qualified for a bunch of them, or I wouldn't, they wouldn't pay me enough that it'd be worthwhile for me to move there. Like, it depends on what your job is. It depends on lots of different factors. But yeah. it's the kind of thing that it's very easy for people who haven't actually experienced it or watched someone go through it to scoff at. Uh, so I, I really appreciate it getting this kind of a spotlight. Yeah, and not even scoff at, but like the entire critique of if we're paying people not to do anything when is a ridiculous has always was always ridiculous to me before I even went on unemployment. But once I was actually on unemployment insurance, you 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 don't get paid to not do anything. You get paid to try to find work. Yeah, and there's a set time of how much you get paid because those benefits eventually run out. The payroll taxes that your company paid for you run out at a certain point. Um, so like this past summer, I had basically like, I was about to run out when I got hired at two different places at my current, current positions, I was about to run out and I was like, I'm going to have to apply to go and work like night shifts at the Safeway mm -hmm. because that's the only way I'm going to get work right now. Um, so we're not paying people not to work. We're paying people to look for work while still being able to, buy groceries, pay bills. Um, yeah. So it's not like people are just being like, yeah, I got, I'm got. i on the government dole. No, because you still have to do a bunch of shit to get that money. Yeah. Well, and like, well, you, if, you know, you also need to have internet to, to do it. Right. And you need to, which costs money, <laughs> which requires, you know, to have either some sort of power and internet and or access to a place that has it that you can use. Like, it's not... It's not just people standing in a line for free money, please and thank you. It's, yes, right. indeed. Yeah, so, and I can keep going on about this, but we should go on to the next show. We should. Um, yeah, well, so. our next show is The Unicorn, so far away. I did not anticipate this quick. Yeah, same. Of a breakup. Uh, I, I could, I still see this as very much an OTP, bring Natalie Z back at a certain point. Sure. Depending on what happens. But I thought that, that if you're going to break them up, in an episode, they did it pretty darn well. What, what, what did you think? No, I totally agree. Like, I was not expecting this to happen so soon. Even though we're in episode 11, so we're like halfway through the season. Um, and, but it was handled really well because when you're as busy as both of them are, especially with her with keeping like restaurant hours, good grief. Um, three hours is an insurmountable long distance relationship. Um, with your both of your hours and various other obligations, like and they both have kids, three kids involved in the scenario, absolutely. So even though they have support systems for each of each of their each of their kids that they can kind of rely on, 
three hours is still like a huge gap. And as someone who did a three hour commute because he doesn't drive um, (laughs) with his current partner, it's a lot, but you have to coordinate. But we also had like very easy ways of coordinating stuff. Um, But yeah, so I was just really surprised by the, how they handled it. But I, I just felt like so much honesty and verisimilitude in that scene where Wade just kind of goes, this, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And the ways in which he frames it and Goggins' performance and body language and being like that realization, but not wanting to have it. And just yeah. like, we need to not do this, but thank you so much for this. And just the sheer weight that Goggins gives that thank you is just really powerful. And for me, it kind of got back to one of the things that I really liked about season one was how much of the loss was there and was motivating a lot of things because I feel like the season with Z's character, they've used the loss for like comedy almost. Um, And here it felt, it felt like character development as a moment. And I really, really liked that. I also really like Z in that scene. Yeah. She's really good too. She's really good. Um, They give her a lot to to play and she just crushes that, like Mm -hmm. everything in that scene and the denial and the acceptance and resignation and the all, like all wrapped up together. They're terrific. Um, together. So I look forward to, you know, I, I, again, I would be very surprised if she didn't pop up again at some point, but maybe, maybe not. We'll see. It was, but it was a strong uh, way to send that character out and to kind of close this chapter of the development. It also is encouraging for like future developments, you know, like that they're interested in developing these characters still, which I was a little hesitant about. Um, Unless you have any other thoughts on the unicorn. Nope. Let's go right over to Drag Race. And Drag Race UK is down to their top four. And and they did a pretty darn good job, um, I will say. And I liked... Um, I'm excited for the top four. I'm excited for the finale. And... Or the, you know, final two episodes, however they do it. But, um, yeah, it's... You know, the, this is also the comedy challenge. And there was... I'll just say, hashtag team person who gets yelled at. Um, and hashtag not team person who's way too defensive and doing too much yelling. This is way too many emotions for safe. Um, is all I'll say there. Uh, so yes, more thoughts on that down the line when more people have seen it, but let's go right to regular drag race and snatch game. What did you think? Are you, remind me where you're at level of interest in snatch game, um, versus like over it and, and versus like litmus test essential part of the season and what you thought of these performances. So I'm, I'm not over it. Like I like snatch game a lot. Um, and I still look forward to it. It's, it is drag races. Um, whatchamacallit. Um, Oh goodness. Um, restaurant wars. Like mm-hmm. it's the, it's the centerpiece of the season. Um, it's the thing that by no means anymore thins the herd or tells you anything new. I feel like, and this episode in particular doesn't tell us anything new. Um, if anything, it just kind of solidifies a number of things that had already been happening um, and that the narrative was increasingly kind of being it's being cemented really hard, I think, in Snatch Game, which is a little unusual for me. But you may feel differently in terms of this idea of Snatch Game kind of locking in folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how I'm feeling about Snatch Game meta meta narrative wise. Um, as for this, I think it's a fine snatch game. Like it's pretty solid. I think there are like some high risks, high, decent sized rewards with Simone and Rosé's choices to do historical figures. 
Um, even if both of them, I think, are relatively one note and also just generally ahistorical, but it doesn't matter because they kind of end up playing caricatures of what we know of either Harriet Tubman as a cultural figure or what we know, what we don't know anything about Mary Queen <laughs> of Scott, culturally speaking. Um, but you can just do a Scottish accent and make some jokes about a head being lopped off and you're solid. Um, so I think that we're still not going to see like a lot of historical queens, um, or historical celebrities in Snatch Game because it's hard. You've got to come in with a really good concept. But I think that both of these were pretty solid. But I mean, when you've got got Met doing Paris Hilton, who they paint for and know, I just I don't know why anyone else bothered showing up <laughs> because yeah. it was just kind of embarrassing for literally everyone else <laughs> but a few people more so than everyone else <laughs> yeah well definitely we'll get there and we'll but, get to that <laughs> yeah i think this the i think there are some really good really strong performances I, these are not performances that i think i will like they're not performances that jump to the top of my like right. best snatch game performances ever yeah. and for me that's that's not that like got make didn't do a great job because, like, it's a terrific Paris Hilton. But the best Paris Hilton is not as interesting as a mediocre fill-in-the-blank for me. Yeah, exactly. Which is the issue there. Like, if if Simone... I thought Simone did really good, but if Simone had been, like, transcendent, that would have been, like, an all-timer performance. Exactly. Instead, it was just, like, a really solid one, right? Um, and 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 there's the same thing with, with Denali, who crushed Jonathan Van Ness, but you're not going to like uh, a crush Jonathan Jonathan Van Ness is not going to be as memorable, at least to me, as a like a pretty strong Judge Judy in season yeah. six, right? So it's just it just, and I think it was these were the right choices for them to make because they did really well. I, I really feel like there should have been a top four and a bottom two because I don't like Simone. I think belonged in the top, but I don't know who I would have kicked out because I felt like it was Got Mick. Definitely mm-hmm. in the top, and the other three kind of all tied for me. Yeah, um, so, so I get, and maybe even you could say Denali top, and then Rose and and Simone tied. But when you add in the runway element to it, that kind of because Simone's runway was amazing, and Rose and Denali's runways were just good, like solid, fine, right? So that that kind of blurs things for Though me. Though I did like Denali's, but um, it was I really liked Denali's. It was very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, um, but the, the other thing you need, so like the on the high end, I thought it was just like it was a high average, like the the if you average the class, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was high. But one of the other things you need to have to have a good snatch game is at least one absolute shit show, and that was Utica. Because yes. what was Utica doing <laughs> as Bob Ross? I just like there's so much wrong with that Bob Ross. I have never related to Mick more than when they like cut to this like talking head and he's just like no no you are not what is this voice this is not soothing <laughs> i'm just like oh this is great <laughs> yeah no i don't all of it's bad all of it is bad um the voice is wrong the beard is wrong like it's way too pointy um there's no sense of play just this idea that this is like bob ross high on lead paint doesn't really do anything but it's a disaster from the get-go because of the afro. 
yeah. of the scroll throw. Yeah. Um, and like, Utica, I understand a concern about appropri- appropriation. However, you are in a safe space in this area because Bob Ross had an afro. White people have afros. Yeah. And I really appreciated the blocking of this of like, where should we sit everyone? Do we want to sit Richard Simmons above or below (laughs) Bob Ross so that we can just really drive this point home? Yeah. Well, and Um, also that's not an Afro for Simmons and Simmons should have had an Afro too, but it's closer. (laughs) It's better. It's closer. Yes. And it's very possible considering there was apparently a wig shortage when they were getting ready for the season that they could not get like the right kind of wigs. And so Tina went one way and Utica yeah. went another way. But if you were that concerned with it, then don't do Bob Ross. Right. No. It's- and don't make something out of squirrels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's well-intentioned, but like, ugh. At the very least, make it out of trees. Like you can mm-hmm. make some jokes if you make it out of like happy trees instead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and then, and, the, and also why is Bob Ross talking about undies? And if yeah. Bob Ross is going to talk about undies, that needs to be your take on Bob Ross from the start. That he's secretly, like, you know, like pervy or whatever, but, like, mm-hmm. he can't tell because of his tone of voice, right? Like, and, and instead, that just kind of, Utica just kind of pivots into that, probably because they could tell that, like, it wasn't going great. Um, but, yeah, it was very, it was, it was very strange. Yeah, it was very strange. And it was also very weird, not weird, it was very rough to watch having to know that the two worst people were at the end of that table. And every time it was just like, Oh no, please don't do both of them in the same segment for the love of God. (laughs) Don't make me sit through whatever Elliot with two T's is doing with Rue McClanahan because it's nothing. It's literally nothing. Yeah. Um, It wasn't funny. It was, it was again, like Rose, it was one joke. But it was one joke told very poorly over and over and over again. Whereas Rosé's one joke was told really well each and every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Rosé got creative with it. Rosé had, like, was like when Elliot is bantering with Denali, it's like, oh, honey. Uh, mm-hmm. good, good on you, Denali. <laughs> you made that work yeah. and, and, and elevated your performance thanks to that interaction. Because there also was very little of them interacting with each other, which I think is an essential yes. part for a really strong and, and memorable snatch game. game. Yeah. Yeah. That was something I noticed too. And I just wasn't like, is it, are we missing it in the editing? We probably are, but also who knows? Um, and we can't not mention Olivia. Olivia's Tabitha Brown. Do you know Tabitha Brown? I do not know Tabitha Brown at all. Like this is my first time hearing of Tabitha Brown. Um, so I have no context for this. I just knew that none of it was funny. <laughs> yeah. I looked up a couple videos cause I was not familiar cause I'm not, I'm not on Instagram. Um, or TikTok. Yeah. And I looked up a couple of little like clips and stuff and I was like, oh, she's incredibly warm um, mm-hmm. and sunny. And like, it's such a great choice for Olivia, like, especially how she's been presenting like uh, herself as like this really like, like Miss Congeniality, very warm, like the, like, it's like a little bit of like a this Southern hospitality and charm and kind of like talking a little slower and all that, right? I'm like, oh, this is a great choice for Olivia, but you got to make it funny. It's because like, yeah. if, if you can do the thing like Candy's doing, where that is not Jeffree Star at all, it's just Candy being Candy, but funny. So if Olivia, Olivia could have absolutely used Tabitha Brown to just be Olivia, 
and be funny, except that it, she didn't throw in any of the, the catchphrases or, you know, like, like the, the slang that, um, or the, the, yeah, the, 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 the catchphrases that Tabitha Brown apparently uses. She didn't do any of the other, ask, like, she hadn't done enough of her research. It felt very similar to some of the Elliot stuff, where it's like, oh, you like this person, so you assumed you, you, like, didn't, hadn't done the homework, you know? Just like just throw out man and and Lanai and think that's enough and it's it's really not it's really not um, especially if you're gonna do girls and girls on stage. I, I loved watching Candy react to it. Just being like, oh, first thing is like, Golden Girls is hard, man. Golden Girls is hard. <laughs> and I was like, yes, Golden Girls is hard. And for me, the one of the trickiest things about Golden Girls doesn't even get mentioned whenever anybody wants to do something Golden Girls on snatch on on uh, Drag Race, which is the the reason Golden Girls works is the four people in concert together. Yes. Balancing. So if you take any one of them by themselves, they aren't anywhere near as interesting or funny because they need the dynamic playing off of each other. And so, like, you, I mean, I think the right person could crush a Ruma Clanahan, but the people who could crush a Ruma Clanahan could also crush something else that was easier. So they don't do that. Yeah, and in that instance, what you really have to do is find your other three in the other contestants, basically. Yeah, yeah. And that's also very difficult to do, because then you have to, like, basically recenter them for you. Um, and that's just really tricky to do. Um, but I think that's a really good point. Um, so, yeah, runways. Um yeah, runways, I guess, were a thing that happened. Oh, yeah, the, the headpieces were cool. Mick crushed it. Simone's, I thought, was Just absolutely ridiculous. lovely. What a beautiful, like, a great look from the front with mm-hmm. silhouette shape performance, like, you know, as, as, as she was walking. And then the turn with the say their names and the bullet and the arms up, uh, like, mm-hmm. and I really appreciated that the show kept uh simone like in his talking head in his confessional like listing out i think it was like seven names yes of different people yeah Yeah. uh it was really powerful well done and like the fact that it was such an awesome look from the front before you even got that reveal just like i was right there with the judges um when they were just floored by it i thought it was terrific um let me see the other ones rose (laughs) is very lucky rose is very lucky that lala was eliminated because have you seen this lala did the same look but in red and better (laughs) um so lala also had a a giant rose headpiece and a rose dress yeah Um, okay that's not great that would have been rough. Different designers and everything. So just like, mm-hmm. you know, simpatico. Just, yeah. But like, oof, it's been a lot of that this season. So it could have been all the, like, prepping during COVID, what materials are available and that shaping things that people decide yeah. to do. But like, like having three taxes last season, last week. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's not, yeah. it's not all that surprising. But yeah. Um, I th- yeah. I thought that they were solid. I, I liked Rosé's headpiece. I like the scale of it. I liked mm-hmm. Denali's car hop was fun, even if I wanted more from the actual like look the itself. Look, yeah, was unfinished. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, I thought that uh, I liked I liked Utica's quite a bit. Uh, Me too. But yeah, just like Elliot, what was that? That was not a flamingo. What was that? Was... I appreciate the concept of wanting to do that, but much like with Utica's earring come to life, mm-hmm. you had to explain it. 
Yeah, the the pink looked like petals. It didn't look like feathers. Yeah. And then why is the one that's supposed to be, oh, the flamingo's standing on one leg. Why is the, like, the skin tone color, like, part flowy? That doesn't yeah. make sense. Mm-hmm. And then also, what was with the paint? There was no, like, there was no eyebrows. There was no, there was no lip. And, like, but then, then put on a beak. If she just put on a beak, right, we would have been like, oh. Flamingo. Yeah. Okay. Because I thought that the feather thing was cool. I like the scale. I thought the wig could have worked. It was a cool wig, but, like, I didn't... Combined with the paint, I wasn't... Like, I was just like... And then you could tell in the lip sync, I was like, this is not Elliot lip... Like, what is this? Elliot, yeah. you can do much better than this. And they just gave up partway through. I, I feel like they didn't even give up ha- halfway through. I think they just just went, yeah, no. It's I'm my time. This. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to be, f- and, and like on the flip side of that, Utica was just like, oh no, I'm staying. <laughs> That's um, happening now. <laughs> yeah. This isn't happening right now. I'm still not going to listen to the judges about anything, but <laughs> this isn't happening right now. <laughs> um, and I am also in a costume that allows me to move. <laughs> that helps. Yeah. Well, cause like Elliot was like, f- like playing with the flowy leg. Like, why are you doing dance? You're a dancing yeah. queen. What are you? Ugh. Anyways. Uh, any thoughts on next week's makeover challenge? I mean, I almost kind of wish they didn't do a makeover challenge um, because I know that this is also probably something people really look forward to, but you can't do a makeover challenge when there's no one to make over. <laughs> well, they're making over each other. I know, but that doesn't but, count. <laughs> yeah, the thing that is tricky about it and is, you know, and I, I've seen it, you know, because of screener, hashtag screener privilege, but it's, I was, before I had seen, I was like, wait, are they making over the other, are there going to be like two runways where they just like have to go through twice or are they each making over the other one? And it's like, like body swap kind of situation. Right. Um, And it's that one. (laughs) And then it's like, are you being judged on your performance as the other person or are you being judged on your, your work with the other, you know what I mean? It's like, it's a little blurry. So I will, we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, they, they just shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm more pro than you are. Um, mm-hmm. But it's definitely like a, eh, what do you want us to do? It's COVID. We're doing our best kind of situation. So um, let's take a break and uh, we'll listen to a little bit of music and then we'll be back with our week in drama and genre. This week in drama and genre, I'm going to talk briefly about Queen Sugar because you haven't had a chance to see it yet. Uh, Early May 2020. And then Winona Earp is back for their last 
chunk of episodes with loves all over. Uh, the Flash had the speed of thought and your much anticipated speed thinking. Then Black Lightning has started the Book of Ruin, so chapter one, picking up the pieces. And we're going to round things out, of course, with WandaVision and its finale. Um, so first up is uh, Queen Sugar. And yeah, we still aren't getting the body blows quite yet, but they're they're starting. <laughs> Are they? Oh, yeah. Yep. Like, I was surprised by how quickly certain things are, are like, certain things that we've been anticipating in the dynamics between the mm -hmm. cast, like, the characters who are quarantined together and stuff have started to happen. But I think they, they work really well and make a lot of sense. Um, there is, there are some surprises that I was delighted by. And, of course, I look forward to, I was like, there's one or two things I was like, I can't believe I didn't anticipate that. I should have. And I'm thrilled um and also this could easily go horribly awry let's watch um <laughs> so i'm excited for you to see it uh but it's another strong episode and i'll leave it there winona earp is back uh in this episode sees waverly being made a cupid <laughs> for reasons um sorry i shouldn't laugh but they just do everything to waverly yeah yeah well, because it's the whole thing. Like everybody loves Waverly. You know, it's like, like no, because she unintentionally is causing people to fall in love with her. Um, because she doesn't realize that she's got the the mojo right at first. Um, and so it, then, of course, it escalates as things always do. Is it possible for an angel to be Cupid? Does that make sense? Yeah, like there. Well, there's a whole wing overlap, so it's a whole thing. Right. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Anyways, um, it's 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 solid. It's certainly um more up my alley than some of the other stuff um but it mostly it's just like we're back here's where we're at here's what's going on let's set up the the next little mini arc so yeah uh, yeah glad it's you know enjoyed it having it's glad it's back um and we'll see what the rest of the season brings so let's go right on to the flash and the speed of thought i gotta say i like this makes sense but i was disappointed because i wanted a lot more and more interesting from speed thinking than yes. what they actually do with it here because it's got to be better than this in the comics it's not too different from this in the comics minus the emotion the loss of emotionality um because that's barry allen's actual superpower is his gigantic heart Mm -hmm. um that is the flash's superpower it's why for the past like 20 30 years the flash has been the linchpin of the entire dc universe in the comics is that he's he's the weird glue that holds everything together um even in like justice league and justice league unlimited his death are things that topple the world because he's so important because of his gigantic huge heart um so having Barry Allen lose all his emotions is weird and terrible, and I don't like it. Um, but Grant Gustin does a great job playing dead. Um, like, <laughs> he taps into Deadeye and Monotone real well. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, doesn't, it doesn't lead to a whole lot. It just allows them to do even faster narrative shortcuts to get to things, which I'm okay with, um, given how this season... <laughs> is shaking um but yeah i was i was hoping for a little bit more and i was also hoping that it would stick around in some capacity because i think it's still a good thing to explore but just nerfed <laughs> mm -hmm. um so 
yeah, I agree with you. Like, I was a little disappointed by this as well, even though I was really looking forward to this. Um, but I do appreciate that it meant that we got the original team back for this this particular arc, and uh, Chester went off for a little bit. Um, so we got a, we got the OG band back together um, for to deal with this particular bit of fallout, but also so that we'd have some emotional resonance for choosing to save Iris as opposed to Camilla and Sing, since we wouldn't care if it was a choice between Iris and Sing. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sing, Sing, bless his heart, he's been here since the start of the show. Has never been a character. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, it was good. So that part was fine, but I, I'm mostly kind of interested in what the fallout for this is going to be. Um, which I think should hopefully be kind of interesting. And I'm really, I'm really hoping that it will be, but I'm also just really interested in the resurrected original OG Harrison Wells. Yeah. Um, I think that's really cool because I don't really know that we know much about I don't think we personality do. wise, the original Wells. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, it's going to be real hard when Cisco decides to leave again because now his actual father figure is back. <laughs> well, his actual father figure is Thawne. Yeah. <laughs> right? That, that's the trouble. Well, uh, then then it was Thawne and then it was Harry and now it's, now it's Harrison. <laughs> Harrison. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, my only question with this flash stuff so far is. I, from the material we see, I do not make the leap that we're supposed to make that everyone else makes about Mirror Mistress, which is that she died and like the actual Ava died and that Mirror Mistress is just a copy. Like looking at like when she hits the mirror and falls forward and then this was in the previous episode, but and then the other continues back. That to me says she is split from her body, not... That the one who fell forward is the real air quotes Ava, and the other one is just a duplicate, and so it doesn't isn't like so when everybody's like, oh, this whole time you've been a copy, a mirror double, this and you're like, I was like, well, but wh- why? Why do we think that? Why does that? And clearly, yeah, it's- everyone says that, and that's what Ava thinks. So I think we're supposed to think that, but show your math, show your math, the flesh. <laughs> I agree that it is that particular through line has been very fuzzy. Um, I think part of it may be the fact that it's so separated from its previous season that it's kind of hard to get a grip. But also I do think that it just kind of doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to complain about it because I do really like this conceptualization of a mirror master figure um, because as I've noted, I really like this character. There's so many weird power things, and they've done those kind of weird power things with this character. I like her Mega Man blaster arm that she's got. It's so good. But it doesn't make any sense. But I like this idea that she's just going to turn everything into the mirror reverse. Like, yes, let's do it. Let's get Jason Isaacs here. Let's just <laughs> do the whole thing. Let's do some Nazis. <laughs> let's go for it. Um, over on Black Lightning, now you're a little behind here, uh, but yes. Noel has said he is perfectly fine with me spoiling things. So yes. I feel like I should mention that uh, somehow it had skipped my awareness that uh, that China and McLean was leaving the show. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. And so they recast the role. 
apparently, seemingly. I did not know that. They By having Jennifer explode in the ionosphere and then have having Jefferson need to put the suit back on to go get her the particles and then reconstitute her and a different actor <laughs> walks out. Um, being like, why are you guys all looking at me like that? Um, so I, yeah, I was like, oh, she exploded. Okay, but she's going to be like, she's just turned into energy. This will be like the next leveling up for the, and then I saw some things, a uh, uh, thing on, on YouTube talking about, about what happened with, with Jennifer. Cause I was like, oh, I'm sure this is a comics thing that they'll explain. And they're like, so this is to deal with, uh, Jennifer seemed to die. And we all know the actors leaving the show. So I was like, whoa, wait, what? Wait, huh? <laughs> so I thought if you're going to think this is a, an interesting way, it doesn't make any sense, but that's okay. To, to handle a recast of a character like this. And so tip of the hat to them for that. Uh, and um, for coming up with a way that, you know, can work. And we'll see what happens next. I think that the way they're writing that into now the police are after lightning. Mm-hmm. Very convenient that now she's in a different body. Wow. Um, they can't That's see her point. face, but still, like, you know, that works out great. Um and, you know, so there, there's some other good stuff that kind of like, I think they took this as an opportunity instead of taking it as a, oh, no, how do we paper it over? And that's the right approach as far as I'm concerned, especially in like a superhero narrative, if you need to recast. Um, so we'll see what happens with it moving forward. I still have like having some of the same issues where I'm like, yes, all this stuff that you guys are exploring with these characters is appropriate and it's good that it's getting some time and it's hurt people, hurt people and all of this stuff. But also like, I'm ready for us to get back to the show. Um, You've got 11 and, episodes left folks. <laughs> and I, I just, and like, and I feel bad for wanting Jefferson to like get over it. Um, <laughs> but I kind of want Jefferson to get over it. Um, so, and and I also like they're to me they're pushing some of these characters a little too far into extremes of behavior to justify some of the choices and also to just keep them fighting for longer than I believe. Uh, if you're going to just skip a year like that, it's like I think you need to earn this level of disconnect, and they haven't earned it. Um, so like when Lynn goes out to have dinner with who she thinks is Jeff, and then finds out that it's actually Tobias Whale, and then he comes in thinking he's meeting her and sees them together and then like makes some crack about, Oh, is he your type now? Kind of like Jefferson would never think that she was actually on a date with him, like with Tobias ever. That's a ridiculous thing. Even if he was being a dick that day, he would go to other things. Like you should have told me like scheming. He would not go to, Oh, so you're romantically interested in Tobias. Cause like that's dumb and not in character. Even when he lashes out, like there's a lot of stuff that, that's stuff that I just feel like is um, conflict for conflict's sake rather than being rooted enough in the characters. So we'll see what, what comes next. I like some of the stuff they're doing with Anissa and um, uh, I like some of the stuff they're just like how, like the, the quickie wedding, but then how it being like the idea of getting married to your girlfriend who you love very much, your fiance and the reality of, Oh, she's been in a coma for a year I've gotten very used to living on my own and now it's our place and that's what I wanted and this was my idea. I I also should have maybe given myself more time to adjust to having another person in my space um, and, and, and acknowledging that I was 
making it our space and not my space before I did that, you know? So I think some of that stuff has been really interesting, but I, I you know, it's a mixed bag for me, uh, but I'm looking forward to the next, like what this catalyst of the explosion of one of their actors <laughs> and the casting of a new actor will, will do for everything else. So, uh, yeah. So let me know when you catch up. No, cause <laughs> yeah, no, I will. I really intended to get to it, but I was just so busy today that I was not able oh, yeah. to, um, oh, yeah. and I knew, I knew she was leaving. Um, I just did not expect that. So that's, yeah. that's fun. That, that yeah. is delightful. Um, well, yeah. I was a little behind. It was like, oh, they exploded. Like, oh, she's not. Okay. Well, clearly I need to catch back up. <laughs> um, okay. Well, our last episode is the WandaVision finale and, uh, a lot of, you know, so it was, it was, uh, um, Paul Bettany getting to play across his favorite actor of himself. Uh, Are you, you familiar with the ship of Theseus, Kate? <laughs> yeah, yeah, such a like. It's I think it's always fun for me to see what stuff, especially with a show like WandaVision that's so twittery, right? What stuff trends and why? The fact that the ship of Theseus was what like one of the things that was trending was delightful to me. Yes. Uh, yeah, I thought that I thought that they did a good job. I mean, like, it's is it the meditation on grief that we want it to be? No, but I think uh, is there anywhere near an, an awareness of the show and the characters of the level of uh, betrayal and um, violation perpetrated, even accidentally initially by Wanda? No, uh, but it was fun and it did at least touch on those themes. So it's about what I expected from WandaVision and done, I think a good version of that. So I'm satisfied. Yeah. There, this was basically the finale I expected was a lot of punchy punch em up stuff. Um, because you can only escape, escape the formula for so long. Um, at some point, the MCU creep really has to kick back in and the finale was where it was going to happen. And it resulted in, I agree, a generally, decent enough episode i i'm it's better than episode four (laughs) (laughs) but it's still not quite the show because it doesn't hit those emotional beats that you alluded to doesn't deal with the fact that wanda is a perpetrator of trauma now um and while a walk of shame type of deal is potent it's not enough um that especially given that she just gets off scot-free basically um, and just flies away without consequence, apart from the fact that maybe she's a little more evil um, and now has to grapple with that in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, directed by Sam Raimi, coming soon to a theater near you. Um, so, like, the building out of the MCU has to come into play at some point, and it came into play real hard here. Um, but it also just meant that we got Catherine Hahn, like, on wireworks in a ridiculous costume, shouting really weird shit at Elizabeth Olsen, and I am here for that. So I think that there's a lot of, like, fun things here, but it doesn't feel like the show that you had kind of gotten used to and really for me anyway really enjoyed um this was just something that was more of a piece of the overall mcu experience than the actual show so you can only bend the formula so far before it has to snap back into place um so yeah but i think olsen's really good i think Bettany's really good in his dual roles here 
Um, I don't think there's enough Kat Dennings running into things with her car because there needed to be more <laughs> of that, please. Apparently um, they were originally intending to do quite a bit more reshoots and pickups with her, but then COVID, Right, I, so. I, I imagine so. But yeah, COVID. Yeah. What are you going to do? Not a whole lot, which is, the, I think, the other reason why this episode is so kind of clunky is the obvious COVID precautions that are in place to make a lot of it work. Like, it's a good thing you had already planned for Paul Bettany to act opposite himself and no one else. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look at you just planning ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think it's fine. It's good. It's very good setup for Doctor Strange 2. It's good setup for Captain Marvel 2 and presumably maybe the Secret Invasion miniseries. Um but mainly, Kate, mainly, I'm not going to lie to you, mainly I am basically waiting for them to tie the Darkhold into the other Marvel TV shows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Since yeah. it's it's important in those other shows. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was such a massive threat in S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? Yeah. Right, yeah, no, it was a big deal in S.H.I.E.L.D., and it was a big deal in Runaways, too, um, I think. I, did, I knew, I had heard that it was going to be a big deal in Runaways. Um, I still haven't watched season three of that. I need to um, get my final Cloak and Dagger fix. Oh, now I'm sad about Cloak and Dagger. Okay, oh. we gotta wrap up. <laughs> okay, moving on, moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this, I, you know, I think it's fun. It, it's what I wanted from it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, th- I, th- I think that's, like, I don't fault any... I don't fault anyone who wanted more. Like, I get it. Right, yeah. Um, I do think it's very strange, the couple of, like, clickbaity thing pieces are going around about how, like, the show really was... It, it detriment was detrimental to the show to have a weekly release model because it, it allowed people to get excited about what might happen, and then they were inevitably going to be disappointed. It's like, they got excited about it. That wouldn't have happened if they had just dumped all of it on a day. Like, because they released it in this way, it was a weekly viewing experience that people got super stoked for and invested in. And that's exactly what you want if you're trying to, like, build, especially if you're trying to build up characters who've been massively underserved. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, on Disney's and the Marvel, like, level, like, monet- like, you want to get people invested in these characters so that you can future monetize them? Great way to do it is have a weekly release. Take your underserved characters... Like take Jimmy and and give him his own spinoff show, you know, a la Agents of Shield, and people are going to be very invested in him. Um, so I think it just makes sense on that level, but also just it's a lot of people really didn't like the version of the show that we liked best. Yes, and it's very strange to me because <laughs> those are obviously to me those are obviously the best episodes. Like it's not close. And a lot of people just really did like, yeah, I thought it was just like a bad, hacky, uh, if I wanted to watch a bad version of the Dick Van Dyke show, I would just watch the Dick Van Dyke show and watch a better version of it. It's like, yeah, but like, they're doing... Uh, but they're supposed to be bad. Like, they're not supposed to be good versions of that. <laughs> the point is that, like, it's supposed to be enjoyable, but the point is that she's trying this and right. it doesn't work because right. that's not real. And you can't retrofit yourself into this highly fictionalized and crafted reality because it's not sustainable like and but but mostly what it is like that was the show for us yes and the the show in episode four and like more towards the end is the show for louder people or more people or both yeah um and that's 
Yeah. And that's fine. I still appreciate the fact that we got at least a few episodes that are very much for me. So. Yeah, me too. And I think I'm, I really enjoyed the show very much in the early going. Um, and I was just tapering off as things like started to be revealed. Um, but I still think that for me, especially like it is also just a really great showcase for Olsen and Bettany. And that's really kind of ultimately what I really, really care about, about WandaVision is your point about giving both of these characters a lot of space to build, but also giving these actors a lot of space to do really beautiful and specific things for these characters that didn't have any of that space and that they had both clearly collaborated on developing a sense of relationship for the two of them that <laughs> that no one else was interested in, but they spent a fair <laughs> bit of time themselves making it make sense so that when what happens in Avengers Infinity War happens, it means something to the two of them. And I think that's... To their performances and yeah, everything. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that's really significant. And then getting to see that on screen, I think, is good for audiences. Um, but also, they're also positioning Elizabeth Olsen to play a much bigger role going forward. So... Yeah. Uh, well, what wins your week in TV? That is a great question. Um, Mom and Bob's Burgers both had really good episodes this week. Um, Bob's Burgers, in particular, had a whole episode about... How 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 far are your parents willing to take a lie to keep mm-hmm. themselves safe? Um, and the answer is pay a hundred dollars and thirty free burgers to make sure that a giant woolly mammoth on roller skates ends up at a roller rink that helps orphans learn how to skate. Um, <laughs> it's very good. Um, and mom was mom has actually been really solid this season overall, and this this episode was no exception. But I think, yeah, um, I think I'll give it to the WandaVision finale, basically just as like an achievement award. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's going to be my winner this week is WandaVision, since I'm not going to get to do it again. But I wasn't bowled over by a lot of stuff I watched this week either. Um, what about you? Well, Queen Sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and tip of the hat to, to Snatch Game because I do always enjoy it. But but yeah, I think tip of the hat to WandaVision for sticking the landing in the anticipated way. Because I didn't, yeah, you know, I sure. don't expect the world from them because of the various pressures on the show. Like what the show is trying to be to so many different um, groups of people. Producers and the larger franchise and all the creatives and, you know, the a very wide <laughs> Uh, subset of fans right like a very wide cross-section i should say of fans um but but i mean it's queen sugar again it's queen sugar so uh look forward to your thoughts on that when you have a chance to see it but for now let's take a break listen to a trailer and come back to talk about designing women i'll get it sugar bikers who could forget julia i hate to say i told you so but i was never comfortable hiring someone who listed his hobby as trying random codes at automated teller machines (laughs) suzanne i remember all my first times of course i'm not going to share the intimate details but afterwards each one of them cried charlene so the southern woman looks at her and says oh well then where are y'all from Bitch. <laughs> and Mary Jo. I guess I should have suspected he had some sort of macho problem when all the nurses he hired always had these sort of life-threatening breasts. They had class. What was that like having a hillbilly Thanksgiving? <laughs> Did you have turkey? No, possum. 
they had sass. Suzanne, if sex were fast food, there'd be an arch over your bed. Now, they're all together again. We want to talk to you about Monette. We have reason to believe she's practicing the world's oldest profession. Monette's a carpenter? Perfectly designed. Hi, sweetheart. How's my little pumpkin? Fine. Hilarious in any combination. Oh, you are the best friends a girl ever had. And this sweet. Designing women on DVD. This is just wonderful. Bring home the laughter today. That was a trailer for actually the like the DVD set of the first season <laughs> of Designing Women. Uh, this is a sitcom from the late eighties, early nineties, about four women, um, later five, uh, who own and work at a design store in Atlanta, Georgia, and the uh, like handyman who works for them. Uh, well, he's like he, he's on he's an employee, but he ends up basically just doing anything that they don't want to do. Um, yeah, he's, <laughs> which, he's their gopher who is also like the delivery man originally. Yeah, he's a, he's the delivery guy, but then he's like also like uh, waxing Suzanne's legs <laughs> and also like deliver like, like stopping by the store and anything that they don't feel like doing because he's um, much more. He has, he has a soft spot for these characters and don't examine it too much because no person is that saintly. Um, he stops being saintly in season six, but for good reason. <laughs> good, good. I look forward yeah. to that. Well, uh, to one of the characters anyway, sort of, kind of. Yeah, anyway. well, I, 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 okay, then I know what you're talking about. Um, so there are yeah. seven seasons of the show. There is a little bit of cl- uh, of cast changeover partway through. But <sighs> this yeah. is a show that I knew about basically from just cultural osmosis, but specifically the, nights, the night the lights went out in Georgia, right? Yes. That whole speech from the second episode. I also was aware that they had done some like very special episodes and things. And we watched a couple of those. Um, but we just kind of did a smattering of, of episodes from across the show's run. And it just was absolutely delightful for me. It's always fun to watch a show that you know has a like a cult following or something. and But you don't know anything about it. You haven't seen it. And then to watch it and go... Okay, yeah, that's why it does. And it's delightful. <laughs> and I thought this really lived up to, um, I would say, rather specific expectations I had for it. It's not like I expected it to be the best show ever or anything like that. Um, but uh, I was a little uneven on the show in the first few episodes that I watched. But by the time it, I got to like my fourth, fifth episode, um, actually, I think it might even have been earlier, maybe even just by the third episode, I was really floored by what they could do and I think it. this is the kind of show that works or doesn't work in the same way. And it's a matter of how the subject matter or the, like the, the beats of a given episode fit into the dynamics. Because the dynamics is, are not going to change. This is not a show that is going to let Julia Sugarbaker be wrong, even when she should be wrong. Um, yeah, yeah. And, that makes for really satisfying episodes, but it also makes for frustrating episodes. And the show works when it allows that to be satisfying. You know what I mean? So, like, it's mm-hmm. it's interesting the, the 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 dynamics between the characters and and the strengths of this cast. It's a really it's a really strong cast. Um, it's 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 neat to watch a show where the best episodes and the worst episodes that I watched, um, the worst episodes that I watched were still very good, but are have the exact same things about them. It's just whether those things work or don't work. I don't know. What did did you think? Yeah. 
yeah, I like you, I hadn't really seen much of this apart from knowing about it through cultural osmosis, like I'd referenced. Um like, and drag race rate has come up several times there. Right. Yeah, no, it is a weirdly both iconic but also cult show, I think, especially now. Um and I think it just didn't really survive into like syndication mm-hmm. programming. Um, as well as it maybe probably should have given the strength of it overall. Um, but a lot of that we can also chalk up to Sony, um, just being real weird with its library. Um, because this was produced through Columbia, um, which is owned by Sony and it aired on CBS from 86 to 93. Um, yeah, but I do agree with you, like the ways in which that the show exploits its cast chemistry i think is really important to its overall success um so much so that when they start doing cast churn um as a result of delta burke leaving um at the end of season five due to myriad reasons including the fact that she and carter as well as the show's uh creator um show's creator uh but specifically linda bloodworth thomason um, just were constantly not getting along um, that the cast churn starts to kind of hurt the show in a surprising way for me um, because when I tuned in to watch like the pilot as well as like a couple episodes in season one and then some more in season two I was like oh this is this is kind of just a straight up ensemble show there's not really a central main character which is not what my perception of the show was because I assumed that Suzanne was the main character of this show um, because of the Delta Burke of it all. Um, So it was really fascinating to watch it unfurl itself as an ensemble show that really needed Delta Burke Mm -hmm. (laughs) and very specifically Suzanne as a foil to literally everyone else. Um, because when they introduce Allison Sugarbaker, who is, uh, Julian Suzanne's cousin in season six, played by Julia Duffy, um, and then Judith Ivy comes in as BJ, who's a millionaires, um, from Texas, whose husband died three months after they got married. Um, there, there's not enough foiling going on, especially with Allison, um, because everyone hates Allison and she's not a foil for anyone else. But Suzanne is a foil and a compliment to literally everyone else. So it was really fascinating to watch the show try to find that balance again and then just never quite achieve it. But it was still really funny overall. And when they did, as you alluded to, those very special episodes, they do a lot of those. Like, a lot of them. Um, so much so that I would argue that they're not very special episodes. They're just episodes of designing <laughs> women. This is what the show is, the same- yeah. Yeah, it's just what the show is. And I find that really interesting because I really like when shows are aggressively topical like this, um, even when they're wrong or mm-hmm. even when they're very grounded in in this particular instance, second wave feminism. Um, and also the fact that Julia should be in prison after <laughs> yes. destroying a man's newsstand four times. Yep. Yeah. Um they really for, don't yeah. they, there must be episodes where she's wrong and the show lets her be wrong and has her like even just for the comedic effect, acknowledge some level of wrongness before immediately like sweeping right back into but I'm not wrong, like in a mispicking right. kind and of way. 
I think that that happens once in a while. Um, I I remember it happening in at least in one episode I watched where it's just like, she's wrong, but she's not. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also kept thinking about that really aggressively in season seven, episode 12, which is the Odyssey, which is all of them attempting to get to Washington, D.C. for the Clinton inauguration. And boy, is Julia very excited about the incoming Clinton administration, just like very, (laughs) very pumped about it and very excited about what it means for America. There's a whole toast to the television set um, about why this represents a new day in America. And I'm just watching that episode going, oh, Julia, Mm -hmm. oh, you're going to be so upset in like three years. Just (laughs) so, so very upset. Um, Also, like, you know. In 2016. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, I, Julia, it's just going to be a really rough 20 years for you. Yeah. Um, just like really, really rough. But a lot of that is also motivated by, we should note, by the fact that uh, Blairwood Thomason was a close friend of the Clintons um, in Arkansas. Um, so I think she worked on, uh, Bill's campaigns at some point or another. I think while he was running for governor. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's the creator, just, yeah. Yeah, the creator of the show. Um, So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the episodes, as well as some of the other characters on here as well, because we've got Annie Potts, who's great as Mary Jo. We've got Jean Smart as um, Charlene. uh, Charlene. Yeah, Charlene. Because like, like the trailer has Charlene is like, no, Charlene, voiceover guy. You clearly had not watched the show when they had you. Um, yeah. The, now, I was familiar with Jean Smart from like everything. Everything. But, but right. a lot of things. I was familiar with Annie Potts from a few things. Um, she's sure. always terrific. But like, obviously, the first thing I saw her in was Ghostbusters. Right. Same. Um, uh, familiar with Delta Burke from a few things. I was not very familiar with Dixie Carter, other than having like knowing the name and knowing the shoulder pads. But like, that's about it. Oh, um, God, the shoulder pads are so good. They're very good. Uh, so I have an important question for you to ponder. Uh, who are you? I would say I am definitely, I feel pretty confident that I am a Mary Jo slash Char. Like a combination yeah, of sure. those two is, is where I'm at. I'm curious, where are you? I'm very you much Mary Jo. I'm just a hard Mary Jo. <laughs> I very much want to be a Julia. I am not. I am not a Julia <laughs> Sugarbaker, no. Um, it was, because, you know, the if you're aware of the show culturally, right, it's it's those Sugarbaker, Julia Sugarbaker rants, right? Yes. Um, and... That was one of the treats of watching those actually live up to that, all that hype. Because mm-hmm. I think they really, really do. And Carter is so good. It's, mm-hmm. It was lovely to dis- I mean, to discover her and to, for that to be exactly what you expect it to be. And what you have, if you've seen, for example, RuPaul's episode of SNL, <laughs> you've seen that delightful parody of it. But, um, it. but then to be so much better and more in such a way that you can see why it has created this like sort of legacy of if you know get the reference what the sugar baker rant means yes what that means um because there is so much more nuance and fun and fun and wink but also earnestness to it that even as they get more ridiculous over the course of the show and more exaggerated you're still like at least for me i was still on board the whole way yes um but but the whole cast i mean they really it's like a golden girls thing they do balance each other really importantly like in a way that just you take out one of those elements that it just isn't going to work in the same way um did you have 
So you're a Mary Jo. Did you have... A- I'm a Mary Jo and an Anthony. I realized I needed to really be really specific that I have a lot of Anthony as well. And we should know that Meshach Taylor is really great on this mm-hmm. yeah. um, as well. Um, he's terrific in a really thankless role, I feel like. Um, but he's really good. And I'm definitely a Mary Jo and an Anthony. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. It does feel very much like um, girlfriends. Like the... Yes. The- it's the same kind of energy with with uh, with the the one guy who's in the group, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so so let's talk about some of these episodes because sure we the episodes that we dipped in with were some of the early season one episodes, and we jumped right to the very special AIDS episode, and yes, I which I had heard of, of course, you know, quite a bit, and I knew what to expect from it, but I also was not prepared for it, like. They just don't pull any punches. They just like introduce you in the first few minutes to this guy, this guy who's like they're like, oh, that's so and so. He's really great. Oh, isn't he such a wonderful guy? And he's played by Tony Goodwin, so of course he's a good guy. So of Goldwyn. course, well, yeah. Well, before pre scandal, um, yeah. But uh, and then it's like, and they just comes in and is like, yeah. So can you please plan my funeral because I'm dying? It's like, like yeah. just like right to the cuts, right to the chase, and. Because there isn't, there's not time for more, but also because right. that it hits you just the way it's supposed to, just the way it's intended. And I thought it was just such a, you know, like to think about when this was made. Uh, 87, yep. Which is 1987. And to think about it, because like it, I thought very much of, you know, the very special episode on Girlfriends with the, with the, the friend who they find out it has uh, is positive for HIV. Um, and it has, it hits in some of the same ways, but that was quite a bit later. Uh, so to yes. think of this, you know, at the time, I mean, you know, I shouldn't, we should have been further along in our cultural conversation in our country uh, around AIDS at that time, but we weren't. And it, it, yeah, packs a punch again. It was really, really well done. Yeah, so we're, uh, folks, we're talking about season two, episode four, which is killing all the right people, um, which is a line that a character says about the fact that the um, AIDS epidemic is killing off homosexual men. Um, and it is also a line that the creator heard herself um, while she was caring for her mother who contracted AIDS from a blood transfusion. Um and specifically wrote the episode as a result of her experiences doing that. And like you said, the episode hits really, really hard. Um, part of it, I think, also helps weirdly from the B-plot, which helps inform the B-plot as well, which is yeah. really exciting to watch them do both an episode about, here's what AIDS is, here's why you shouldn't be like afraid of it, and also here's tolerance lessons, please. And then fold in a whole thing about safe sex um, for teenagers, um, as opposed to uh, engaging in an abstinence-only education. Um, so watching both of those things pile into one another and fold into one another, I think is makes the episode all the more potent. And it also avoids outing that poor man. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I, both my partner and I were just like, Mary Jo... Don't do this. Don't call attention to this man who's about to die in who knows how many months. Don't do this. And then she doesn't, like, do it. And we're just like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that is, yeah, it's a season two episode, but it feels, because of how we watched it, it's just like right there. Bam. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Um. And it's a great episode. Like, it's really, really good. 
Oh, Camilla Carr is also terrific as the bitch who says the title line mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. of the episode. And yeah, there's, there's, there's the performances of the people you're supposed to hate are also really good yes. on the show, which I appreciate because that just make strengthens our heroes. Almost. I feel like we're supposed to hate the pornographer. And I don't. Oh no, don't hate the pornographer. That that's that's quite a misstep of an episode. But like it's it like it's it, it is so interesting to watch that episode for me because that is an example of Julia, I don't know if she would I feel like she would have been in a different place on that conversation maybe now. Yeah, than oh, absolutely. Then. And she would be making the same arguments, but to argue the other side and see no conflict in it, because that's Julia Sugarbreaker. Uh, but it's so interesting to watch the show just be wrong, but with all the same righteous zealousness that it is, air quotes, like, right about mm-hmm. different topics. You know what I mean? Yes. It, it, so it makes, it makes for very interesting viewing, because you keep waiting for her to, like, acknowledge um, that... It's things are in the eye of the beholder, and and or, or or just some other or like it's your right to sell this and people's right to buy it and me not to judge them, um, but also like 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 I, you keep waiting for some sort of compromise and it just doesn't come, no. uh, which is you know so much more honest too for this character. I think the show, it we're supposed to think Julia's right, but for me thinking Julia's wrong there it it is a much more honest portrayal of that kind of character. And it lets you experience what it would be like actually spending time with that kind of a person. Yeah. Yeah. And this is season three, episode 22, Julia drives over the first amendment, um, in which she keeps destroying a newsstand that's advertising a new, um, porno mag. And, um, like she drives into that newsstand like four times. Her car is never destroyed somehow, which is weird. Um, but then gets sued. Um, and then comes out fine because somehow, Everyone drops the lawsuit, which they shouldn't. Um, they drop the lawsuit because she's Julia Sugarbaker. <laughs> yeah, which is not how any of that works. Um, no. But I, I should also note that, like, the the things that we're talking about, like, these really specific voices and this really specific perspective really does come from Bloodworth Thomason, who wrote all of season two by herself. Wow. That's um, a lot. Which, folks, that's 22 episodes by herself. Yeah. Um, she wrote most of the show. Like, I mean, if you go through the episode credits for, um, titles and stuff, she wrote a good bit of the show, um, up until like season five where writing duties were getting split across some other folks. Um, and then she came kind of roaring back in season six a little bit. Um, but for like the first five seasons, first four seasons, she was writing almost everything. Um, and that just speaks to the degree of specificity that the show is able to achieve when it's doing everything it's doing. Um, so one of the things I do want to highlight, though, is that the show can also be really, 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 really funny um, and without being issue driven. So like Full Moon, which is season um, three, episode 15, just deals with Julia accidentally mooning. <laughs> 15, like, of 1,500 people, which is just delightful. Um, And that is really funny. Um, I do also want to call out the season 7 premiere, which is of Human Bondage, which is where they meet BJ, the millionaire-ess, 
Um, and they find a sex room, uh, an S&M room in the mansion that the woman lives in that she wants redecorated. Um, but then they just start getting really drunk and playing with the S&M room. <laughs> um, everyone's very skeezed out by it, but by the end, everyone's like, yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> um, it's just, it's a very weird, wacky episode, but it's really funny. And I think that's one of the other things I really like about the show is that because of the chemistry of its cast, particularly the first five seasons cast. Um, it's really, really, really funny, even when they're doing this very topics-driven humor. And I really, really like that about it. What I think is interesting for me is that I was, because of course, like I said, I had heard of the show. Um, and like, and I knew the cast like from other things. Mm-hmm. Um but they're all really, they're all very good. And seeing them together, they, I think they complement each other and like just escalate and like the, there's a very good chemistry there. I did not realize that the show was as highly rated as it was, but like it was the number six show on TV in its sixth season. It was in the fourth season, it was, had the same ratings as Full House. And in its fifth season, it had the same ratings as the Golden Girls. Like this is a, highly rated show that just has blipped off the radar for a lot of people i think uh millennials and younger sure because it wasn't reruns the same way because like you can watch reruns of golden girls everywhere and please do it's wonderful uh but i could not i was not seeing and probably some of it is just like the topics and the politics of the show which became i think likely even more controversial at certain points after it was off the air before coming sure. back around. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's just a lot more like, like the, the, like you said, the very special episodes are more the show than the not very special episodes in the way that's the inverse of something like you watch golden girls and then they'll have a couple episodes that actually like touch hot button issues. But most of the time, you know, it's very, uh, it's very rerun friendly. It's you're not going to get angry letters to your station for running right exactly girls. yeah no it's more in the family ties vein yeah 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 so that was interesting for me to kind of discover uh watching it and and like and be like oh that's so cool like there must like there must have been other like like snl riffs on this that i just haven't seen those years of snl and maybe i need to see yeah out. there were oh, um no, mostly don't. at delta burke's expense ah of course um, Yes. Yeah, so probably not best to seek those out. Don't um, seek those out. But, Noted. Yeah, but no, I think that there was a, definitely an SNL sketch about Burke's fluctuating weight, um, which was a large, a large issue that was just something that was happening with her throughout like her entire career, um, and it fed into depression and various eating disorders that I think she was dealing with as early as the seventies. Um, so yeah um okay yeah, noted th- run away yeah. run run very far away yeah does it involve the ladies man i think it involves the ladies man tim meadows's character uh-huh. um yeah okay no I, thank you for warning me off i will not seek that yeah then. no problem i will say though that i think if you are curious at all about designing women or have heard about it and aren't sure if you like if you want to seek it out this is on all on hulu and yes. i had a blast watching it this week it was super fun catching up with it you can definitely like binge it like back this is a good like if you're doing something else in the background or if you're just like feel a little under the weather you want to watch something highly disposable that you can just enjoy and then be 
pleasantly surprised when you're more hit by an episode here or there that's more uh, emotional and powerful because those episodes are absolutely there. Um, and then just laugh yourself silly in some of the other ones. I think you'll have a lot of fun with designing women. I, I know that I certainly did. Yeah, no, I did too. Um, my partner and I are going to probably watch the finale um, tonight, maybe, or sometime this week, um, because I was going to watch it before you and I talked, but I just didn't have time. Um, but yeah, no, it's very good. And I, I've enjoyed overall um, our kind of trip down the old TV lane, which is not something we've done really recently. So I've enjoyed doing four shows that were made before 1990. Yeah. Yeah, because like I, I've like I have interesting pockets of like stuff I've seen and stuff I haven't seen, and yeah. I have not seen very much seventies and eighties. So this has been neat to, to kind of catch up with a few shows. And it's just, again, like I just I'm going to repeat myself: the stuff that you've heard about the show that is good, at least for me, lives up to that. And absolutely, other, unlike something like Rockford Files, where it's like, oh, and the other stuff doesn't, or is worse, or detracts from it. The other stuff I hadn't heard about the show, a lot of it was better <laughs> than I anticipated, and made the rest of it come together and work and be a more successful and entertaining. So I was charmed and surprised by how funny it was. It is very much of its time, but it doesn't feel as dated as I would expect. Um, for a show from 86 to 93. So, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. A lot of fun with this one. So I'm glad that we took a detour into shoulder pads and and strong women with lots of opinions. <laughs> <laughs> strong Southern women with lots of opinions. Yes, who do not eat dirt as much as they would like you to. <laughs> Mr. New York Times or whatever. Um, oh, that was stupid, though. That guy deserved it. Yeah, no, yeah, no, he was... Very, very dumb. Um, that wraps up our spotlight on designing women. Let us know what you think of the show, if you've ever seen it, or uh, or if you are going to go, now go seek it out. I'm very curious what people think. Um, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post of this episode at theteleverse.org, where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com. You can find our M4A chaptered feed over on Apple Podcasts and our MP3 unchaptered feed over there as well. And we're also up on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews either place. You can find my Drag Race write-ups over at the AV Club. And of course, we're both up on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great discussion this week, Kate. Thanks, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of Televerse. Mm-hmm.